So here's my confession. We have been going really strong with the podcast since June of 2018, with only taking one week off during a Christmas holiday. A sister is kind of tired, but what I have enjoyed most about the season is the ability to connect with so many phenomenal people who are doing great things in their respective communities. Today's episode is our season finale. We have had so much to take place over the last year. The podcast was an extension of the book Confessions of a Mint Lady Queen, and I'm proud to announce that part two will be released very soon. I am also excited to tell you about the Melanated King Awards, which will be held in the Chicagoland area on Saturday, October 19th. I am elated to celebrate the servant leadership among our brothers. And I have one more surprise that I can't really talk about right now, but I've been working on it for some time, and I can't wait to share more information about it during season two, which should be released in late June. So let's talk about today's final show of season one. On today's episode, we chat with Dr. Harita McDowell. She is the author of the book, Black Women, Sex, and the Lies Our Mothers Told Us. As a sexologist, Dr. McDowell works very closely with her community to close the educational gap between African-American women and the generational myths regarding sexuality that are consistently passed down. Let's take a listen. Well, hello, Queen. Hi, how are you? Happy Saturday. Happy Saturday. (laughs) I'm excited to talk to you. We got a juicy conversation today. We do. We do. If you could share with the audience who you are and what you do. I am Dr. Harita McDowell, and I have a a lot of balls rolling, but all of them land as it relates to African-American female sexual empowerment, pushing us and our girls to um, embrace our sexuality in a healthy and happy way and continue the conversation so we remain safe. I mean, that's really uh, me in a nutshell on top of being a wife, a sister, a sorority girl, a daughter, and, you know, all around fun time. Oh, I'm, I am sitting here and I'm <laughs> looking at black women, sex, and the lies our mothers told us. Oh, you're looking at some good stuff. I'm looking, <laughs> I'm looking, I'm looking at a book um, full of stories, full of testimonies and narratives that makes you clutch your pearls yes <laughs> in most of these cases you can relate to it or you know someone who, who can relate to it or you grew up with somebody who experienced this indeed so tell us about this book and what inspired it so i uh, had the pleasure of um going into a dynamic doctoral program that pushed me to think about um what i would want to research and what void i would want to feel And when I was thinking about that during the program, I said, well, I'm the friend that gets the phone calls as it relates to, you know, sexuality and as it relates to talking to my friend's kids about um, sex. And I said, okay, obviously there's something about my energy that makes people comfortable as it relates to the topic. And why is that? And what are our resources? So I said, well, I want to ask black women uh, as many as I can, hey, what are our experiences and are we really being transparent and truthful with the next generation to prevent them from having our same experiences and sharing our same stories of um, that are challenging, if you will. 
And during that time, I was able to speak to um, almost 500 Black women who were very truthful and transparent with me via conversation, via survey about their experiences. And from that, I kind of realized that we've really just been surviving as it relates to sexuality. We've been figuring things out and our nieces and daughters and granddaughters have been going through the same things that we've been going through because we're not really honest with them. And sometimes the barriers that create that dishonesty are religion, culture, us trying to attempt to not be judged in a country that judges us for pretty much everything. And from that, we've become silent as it relates to something as natural and as helpful as sexuality. So from the research, I said, well, all of these stories that I have um, are so awesome and they're so relatable. I wanted to write something that was an easy read that would spark a conversation at a backyard party, bachelorette party, or even on Mother's Day, if you guys want to sit around the table and read something quick and get questions at the end. So I was really um, excited about how welcomed the context was, uh, even with the title being a bit uh, controversial but it's really just a conversation piece that gets us to talk about things that we never talk about in a lot of contexts. Well, I, to be honest with you, I mean, the book started off in your face, straight up talking about masturbation. Yep. And, and you know, the things that maybe a mother may catch their child doing and act like they don't see it or don't, right. you know, because there, there, there were never any conversations about it. It was one of those things where you never talked about it. I can tell you a personal story where I remember going my mother took my it was my mother and a, a cousin that i had that's her age so she was like an aunt to me we you know they had daughters i was her daughter and my cousin had two daughters my age and whatever happened to make them have to decide to do this they decided that the three of us girls needed to go see a gynecologist who can have a conversation with us about sex we were early teens at the time and we went to like this school and it was like a little private room and my and one of the mistakes i think that they made was that they allowed the moms to be in there because we weren't able to ask questions that we wanted to this is the you know the 90s and when she brought up masturbation and she's like you guys know what that means and we all were like no of course we knew what it means but we were all like no we don't know what the ew what is that like you know we responded obviously in a way that we knew what it meant but we were ashamed to say that we knew what it meant so you just put it straight out there and um, it, it starts off with a dialogue between a mom and a friend having a conversation about what she, what she witnessed. Tell us about why that, that's so important to have those so-called taboo conversations now. I think that we have to get in front of everything and use every conversation as a mode of prevention. Uh, we no longer have the luxury to make up stories and lie to our children and avoid certain topics because they're everywhere. They have access to their phones. They have access to social media. They have access to a million channels that are showing everything that um, we really need to get in front of. So when it comes to a topic like masturbation, it shouldn't be taboo. Um, and we put that label over things that are extremely natural and it's going to happen to our children regardless of whether we speak about it or not. And I think that if we encourage communication as prevention, um, it'll be extremely helpful at the end of the day for them to not have to figure things out the same way we figured them out and going to Google Health and asking our peers or feeling shame about things that we're feeling naturally. So I really feel like that is why it's extremely important um, to take the label of taboo off of it and really share our experiences with it, our stories with it, to let them know that they're not weird or different or, you know, damned in any way because they're wanting to do certain things. 
And what what I also like is that it's not just sex itself as an act. You talk about relationships. Mm-hmm. You talk about the the misconception of what you know what what a ideal guy may look like or what he does not look like. You talk about you know the spiritual aspect of it and how the church folk may see certain things, how scripture mm-hmm. has been brought into things. So it's yeah. a, a array of discussion about you know not just sex itself, but women relationships and how they see themselves, how they see themselves in love, things like that. Right. I enjoyed that. Thank you. Oh no, you're more than welcome. So it and so these so as you were saying before, this was a, a number of years maybe of research that you right. collected. What is right. that process like for you as a researcher? I enjoy it. Mm-hmm. I enjoy it. I, I think as African American women, we have um little to no trust as it relates to researchers because we've been exploited in so many ways. Um, and our information has been used and capitalized off of in so many ways. So I am blessed to be a researcher that is trusted uh, with African-American women that give me their information and their stories because they know that I'm using it as a platform for change and a platform for reform as it relates to just sexuality and how we uh, move and how we feel about it. So it is a process, but because it's a topic that I enjoy and because I see um, such transformative outcomes, I think after a conversation or after a workshop or um, after I've had the opportunity to teach somewhere or speak somewhere, just to really spark something that has already been in them, but I've kind of given them permission to be truthful um, and let them know that they're not the only uh, one that thinks the way that they think about a certain topic. So I enjoy it and I appreciate it. And as you were stating before, it's a conversation started though. So one of the things that you did that I thought was very responsible, like you, you had these questions at the back of each chapter that, mm-hmm. you know, people can consider when they're discussing these things. So it, that, so it sounds like in what you're saying that that was the intent for it to really Absolutely. start conversation. Absolutely. It was purposeful. I think leaving the chapters open-ended, Uh, where I don't necessarily provide a solution because people see, you know, Dr. McDowell and they see community psychologists and they are assuming that I have the answer when, you know, sexuality is relative to the individual, which is the great thing about sexuality is really your choice to be um, whoever and however you want to be. So when I wrote the conversations uh, loosely based on research and stories that I've gotten from different uh, African-American women, I said, well, let's just put questions at the end and you guys discuss how you feel about masturbation, how you feel about dating powerful men, how you feel about lesbian relationships and infidelity and uh, the different topics that I cover. And you decide based on the culture of your household and determine whether or not it's a antiquated old school view, or if it's something that you really need to change before the next generation pops up. Now, have you been able to facilitate any of these conversations since the book has released? I have. Uh, we had a great launch. Uh, it came out May 12, 2018, and we were able to do a bar crawl um, all over the city of Chicago, and it was a, a lot of fun. Um, Silver Room hosted us. The Velvet Lounge hosted us. It was several different locations where we um, did have conversations. Of course, I've been out to several book clubs, and I've been able to have some intimate conversations with some dynamic groups um, in various organizations. Um, and of course there are a few things coming up this summer, uh, where I've been asked to kind of come out and hang out as relates to the book and the overall topic of, uh, human sexuality, because, um, I 
have the opportunity to teach human sexuality for National Lewis University uh, every single week. And I've been doing that for the last few years. So it is, it's an every week thing, <laughs> if that makes sense. So what, what is it like on, at the college level for students who experience your class? Now, I know that, you know, a lot of this that, that we have that I'm looking at in front of me can relate to all different age groups, you know, from right. young girls to, but what is that like? Well, what are the responses you have from the college students who are taking your class? Oh, wow. Uh, it's been amazing. I think that being able to teach on the undergraduate and graduate level, this particular topic, most of them are attempting to solidify a career in sociology, psychology, and counseling of some sorts. And with any of those fields, you have to be unbiased and you have to make an attempt to remove your own judgments. And some of our judgments uh, pile up sometimes as it relates to sexuality. So the fact that my particular course is somewhat of a mandate to help them alleviate some of those judgments, I've seen some, you know, transforming things over the course of the few weeks that they're with me, whether it's them um, being bound by them being devout Catholics and them feeling a way about even having to take the class and feeling ashamed about having to take the class to after our final class being completely open and advocates as it relates to sexuality and sexual health or them never talking about something like masturbation and we really having discussions and reading chapters and looking up other researchers who kind of inform them in a way that makes them feel a bit more natural and a bit more realistic. So each class um, is a culture of their own. Um, they have been from many, many, many different backgrounds um, and oddly enough, many different countries. So we've had the opportunity to really tap into things that, um, or ties that bind us, you know, to have Latin women and Arab women and um, Filipino women in the classrooms that have the exact same stories as African-American women, it lets us know that this is a female struggle in and of itself. And to have dynamic men that also join the class, um, who's also giving me feedback on the book, they provided tons of insight and learned a lot as it relates to how we think and how we feel about sexuality and some of the struggles that we've had in different relationships. So it's a, it's one of those classes where I, I never have a challenge with attendance. I'll tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> I can imagine. I mean, it, it sounds very engaging. And, and I never took a class like that in undergraduate school. So I would have, mm -hmm. or graduate school. So I would have really appreciated that. And what's interesting, mm -hmm. you're saying that you have, of course, people from all different walks of life, different right. backgrounds. And so that, that should be very interesting to witness that. Mm -hmm. So it just... In, in general, and, and I'm, I'm kind of curious about, you know, when you, why you named it, you know, the lies our mothers told us, what was your thought process behind that to consider moms in a situation like this or, or, or black women? A lot of my work was specific to mother-daughter communication and how it affects our relationships. A lot of times um, our mothers pass things down to us from the womb um, through raising us, through how they communicate, how they don't communicate. And sometimes we don't even realize how it has affected us until we're well into our adult years. Mm -hmm. And the reason why I chose the word lies is because we're passing down things that were, that was passed down to us that has no bearing or no fact. So there's a chapter in a book that talks about the number of partners and we've had grandmothers and great grandmothers give all types of stories on how you should feel about the number of people you sleep with, how you should um, 
keep account of the number of people you sleep with and how that's going to affect your marital status, how it's going to affect your reputation, how it's going to affect your career. And we find ourselves saying things like, don't sleep with more men than fingers you have. And we say it generation after generation. And the book challenges to ask you, well, where do we get that from? Where do we get the math from? How do you come up with, with that particular number? And what does that mean for me realistically? There's no data. There's no uh, research that supports the fact that successful marriages are for women who have the least amount of partners, you know, or for women who have uh, maintained their virginity for whatever reason. So I would say that I specifically use that title, one, to make you pick the book up and say, well, what lies are we talking about? And also because I sat with women who wished that they learned something earlier that someone said something to them earlier that maybe their mothers would have said, hey, I wasn't successful in this marriage for this reason, or I had horrible sexual relationships for, you know, feeling this way or feeling that way, or this is the abuse that I've gone through, and this is how I'm recovering from this abuse. Hey, we can recover together. But instead, we reach a certain age as adults, and we turn over a new leaf and become born again, whatever, and decide not to be honest with our 13 and 14-year-olds because we forget who we were at 13 and 14. And those stories and that level of truthful conversation is really um, life-changing to a young person because they no longer feel like it was only them. And sometimes we skip chapters in our lives and stories in our lives for our own reasons and our own traumas, not knowing that that particular story can actually save the next generation from repeating some of our habits. Mm-hmm. I totally agree with you. I mean, you you mm-hmm. have, uh, especially our mother's generation, um, um, not no, not X. X was before millennials. Mm-hmm. Um, the baby boomers who right. were going through, who were going through that time when you know women were being sexually liberated, and so you got yeah. you got grandma who was before the boomers who feel some kind of way. Then you got some boomers right. who gave some interesting advice as well. <laughs> and Very. so there, it, it's a mixture of a lot of stuff. Like I remember my mother yes. always telling me, uh, "You can date who how many people you want, but only sleep with one at one time." That that was her <laughs> right. advice. Now, I'm not dis- I'm not saying I agree or disagree with her statement, but I-, I go back to what you just said. Where did that come from? Right. Like that was her rule for herself, but she passed it down to me. Now I don't have a daughter, I have a son. Now, if I had a daughter, what I ask myself sometimes, what would I tell her? What type of advice? Because we're we're basing a lot of our our theories and these rules of life off of our experiences and we try right. to, you know, set it in, in, in stone for our children. And, it's, mm-hmm. and again, times are changing, so it may not always be appropriate or even effective, you know, for this generation. So, yeah, I think that the, my research led to the creation of a nonprofit called Pretty. Um, and that's the acronym for Positive, Responsible, Educated, Talented, Truthful Young Women. And um, we have a wonderful partnership with Chicago Public Schools and we're in several schools. And we start this conversation with girls um, as early as fifth grade. And. With that, um, of course, there are pair workshops that come into play as well under the nonprofit, but we empower them to make their own decisions. Um, so with that being said, we don't push abstinence. We don't push marriage. We push choice, but you being aware of the ramifications of some of your choices. So we don't lead with fear either, but we definitely let you know, like, hey, this is a, this is a big deal. You're a big deal. 
you are absolutely amazing and gorgeous and your body is yours to do what you want to do with it. But let's give you some tips on some things that can happen should you choose to make these different decisions with your body. And not necessarily all physical. What are some of the social and emotional attachments? You know, do you understand your parents' love story? Does anybody even talk to you about that? Do you understand how, you know, your mom moves and feels as it relates to sexuality? Do you know your mom's story of her first heartbreak when she thought it was going to be something and it wasn't? And maybe that story will resonate with you with the little boy or the little girl that you're liking in eighth grade. You know, so it really just gives them their own toolkit to do their own deductive reasoning. So whatever choice they make, they don't regret it because it was their choice. And I think that's the most empowering part. Even as adults, we do a lot of things, but as long as we wanted to do it in the moment, there may be consequences. There may be um, a feeling that, oh, I can't believe that I did this, but you're okay with it because you were 100% in at the time. Now, have you had support from the parents from that? Have you gotten feedback from them from the program? Absolutely. Um, the parents have been amazing. Of course, there are always some extreme conservative um, parents who who have uh, strong views and values based in whatever as it relates to why they don't want their daughters to participate. But what I can say in some of the schools where I've been there for more than one year, the participation has increased based off of word of mouth, based off of how their daughters are moving and thinking and some of the questions that they have and some of the attitudes that are changing uh, after they've been with us for a significant amount of time. So I think some of the parents were very, very happy because they don't want to have the conversation. They're still undoing some things on their own. So they're happy to have a resource um, outside of the gym teacher that is really uh, giving them, you know, hygiene tips, reproductive health tips, just really understanding their bodies and what to do with it before they even share their parts with other people. Um, so it's it's been a balance as it relates to, you know, parent support. Okay, well, that's awesome. So and I was going to ask you what else did you have coming out of pylon pipeline so you have pretty which is a nonprofit organization is yeah. there anything else that you have going on that you're doing in the community that you want people to know about i do we actually of course by us being a nonprofit specific to girls of color there is always um um an issue with funding so we always have to fundraise uh to increase our reach and our fundraiser um this spring is may 30th and it's called the she sexy gala s-c-x-i she's exceptionally influential it's our second annual gala and we honor uh, african-american women in the community who use their platforms to encourage african-american female reproductive health or health overall so we always um honor a few african-american gynecologists some community activists um, as well as some personal trainers and healthcare um, advocates. And that is um, May 30th at the Chateau Boucher. And we really have a good time honoring them every spring. Okay. Is it too late or can people still get tickets for that? People can get tickets on either website, uh, realprettygirls with an S.org. Uh, that's the website to the nonprofit. And you can click there and it'll take you right to the ticket link and you can, you know, get sexy and come and hang out with us. Now, if anybody's interested in donating, if they can't make it, can they make a donation? Absolutely. At the exact same website, you can donate. If this is a platform that you believe in, if this is something that you want to see continue to grow in this city, uh, absolutely click the link and donate to Pretty. Okay. Awesome. So, you know, I personally encourage people to, to, to take a moment, go and um, grab the book. How can we, I know where I purchased the book, but I want to make sure that you allow people to, to know um, what options that they have for buying the book if they want to buy that. 
Uh, Amazon. Amazon runs the world. And mm-hmm. it's the, as soon as you put in uh, Harita McDowell or Dr. McDowell, the book will come up and you can get it straight from Amazon. Uh, I will be at a vending event on June 9th. Um, the details are forthcoming regarding that specific event where the book will be. And um, there'll be a panel of sexologists, which is the term that they've given some of us. Um, and the book will be available there as well. And then all of uh, my additional information is at haridamcdowell.com. And that's H-A-R-E-D-E-R-M-C-D-O-W-E-L-L.com. Okay. Are you on any social media uh, sites, Instagram, things like that? Anybody can follow I you? I am. Everybody can follow me on Instagram for sure because that's what I check the most. I need to be a better tweeter, but I'm not. <laughs> um, it is Dr. D-R-H-M-A-C, H-M-A-C-I-N-C at uh ig awesome okay so other than that i'm just gonna say again the name black women sex and the lies our mothers told us i mean this is a powerful uh (laughs) a powerful (laughs) title (laughs) you're absolutely right i mean uh, and 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 the cover is beautiful i mean i think it represents sisters in general you know thank you so much my husband did the cover oh did he yes he did a phenomenal job thank you yeah i love it I love it. So I encourage everybody to pick it up, have this conversation. If you don't have a daughter, um, at least think about your niece, your goddaughter, your neighbor, you know, because like, like you said, you are oftentimes called to the table to have conversations that other mothers and aunts and grandmothers don't want to have. And that may be you out there. You may be the sexy auntie who may need exactly. to have that conversation with, <laughs> with that little girl in your family. Takes a village. It takes a village and we all do need to help. And so um, I just want to thank you for coming on the show. I know you're taking time out of your busy schedule to talk to us. Thank and, you for uh, having me. Yeah, of course. Is there anything that you want to share with people before we let you go? Any parting words? I think that my parting words is always when you are fluid and organic in your truth, you have some of the best life experiences because all we have when we are blessed enough to age as our memories. And I just don't want anyone to reflect on regret or reflect on experiences that they passed up on because of an invisible judge. Uh, there is no judge. And I think that living in your truth and living in what you want to do can give you an excellent amount of happiness. And that's what we all want, happiness. So be happy. Oh, thank you so much for sharing that. So again, family, this is a, a great opportunity to have some real conversation. If you want to sip some real tea, here you go. Pick up this book <laughs> and let's uh let's have some real conversation, some things that can be life-changing, generational changing. We can move away from these days of old and, and, and really start, you know, making a, a difference in the lives of our girls and our young women. So again, I want to thank you. And to that end, I look forward to talking to you guys again next week. Take care. <laughs>